Father, I thank you that we can come together to worship you, to celebrate. Lord, this morning I pray that as um, I speak and as, I, as we listen, our hearts would be open to receive from you, but also to be encouraged and strengthened and built up and, and challenged, but also our faith would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last week, um, <coughs> for those of you who are here, we looked at um, Isaiah 43 and Joshua chapter 4, I think it was, uh, about um, that scripture that says, uh, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I'm doing a new thing. And then also uh, God's encouragement to Joshua that when they were about to go into the promised land to enter through in the way that God said. So they stepped into the flooding river and walked through on dry ground. Remember, we, we looked at all of that. And we're also reminded, or I reminded us of, the, of God's instruction to Joshua that um, uh, he was to select a leader from every one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And as they traveled or walked through the, the Jordan on dry ground, they to take, take a rock or a stone so that when they got to the other side, they were to set up a memorial uh, to remind generations to come of what God had done. Familiar? If you ha- went here, listen online, because I'm going to re-preach it. I'm not going to re-preach it this morning. But there was that memorial that was set up so that when people asked in generations to come, what is this for? They could say, it's a memorial to God who dried up the Red Sea and we crossed on dry ground. It dried up the Jordan and we crossed in dry ground so that we could come into the fullness of what he has called us to. And this evening we have prayer meeting from 5 until 6. Uh, and that's the start of <coughs> sorry, our two weeks of focused prayer, which we've called Reignite in, in the attempt to, cause just because that says something about what we expect and for God to do. Either ignite our hearts or reignite our hearts again for the things of his kingdom and what he's called us to. And um, so when we look at that, we need to understand that prayer is vital for our lives as believers. That's why we're focusing in the beginning of the year, two weeks on, on prayer. Not that we don't pray at other times, but prayer is so incredibly important for, in the life of a believer because not only is it communion with God, that we encounter Him, we talk with Him, we have a relationship with Him that has grown and developed, but it also shows our, and reminds us and actually is the reality of our reliance on God because we actually need God for our daily living. To live God's way, we need Him. And it's not just talking to God, but it's also listening to God. So that when God speaks, we hear and we can put things in place. And so Scripture shows us and God tells us to ask Him, to pray, to call on His name, to pray on behalf of others. But He also says that we should wait, wait on Him and listen to Him. Instruct us to pray continually, to present our requests before him and our petitions before him, and that he is a God who answers. He's not one who's dead. Um, when we look at that, there we go. So when we look at prayer, that better than I can hear myself on this. <clears throat> and when we look at prayer, we understand that actually God's speaking to each one of us. And as we look at that this morning, as we embark on these two weeks, uh, I, I want to spend some time this morning, probably a slightly different way or, or, or different element to our preaching, but that there would be an expectation for God to speak in our lives. There'd be a, an increase in our faith for God to move and to see what He's saying. We know that he's spoken already. He's, he, he, we've heard him. He's spoken prophetic things over the life of the church, over the years. And, uh, and we need to be able to be those who say, God, what are you saying now? And let him extend and increase our faith and expectation for what he has called us to. And as I was praying and preparing for today, I sensed that um, just God drawing me to a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, in the second half of verse 4. And he's been speaking about how we devote, to, to devote ourselves to the things of God, to, to avoid controversies that just result in uh, arguments and everything else. And he says this, um, uh, rather... 
Just because I'm employed as part of the, uh, and a full-time employment in the church doesn't mean that I do God's work and none of you do. God's work is every believer's life lived out for him. And so when we understand that this, the scripture calls the church to, to preach the gospel, that's all of us, not just me. It's all of us. When we call to live out the truths of the things in the kingdom of God, that's all of us. So we all are here to do God's work. And God's work is by faith. By faith. It means we trust Him and we look to Him for those things. And that's every single day. Now called to, to know him, to make him known, to preach the gospel, to reach the lost, to extend the kingdom, to make a difference in the world that we live in, is all done by faith. And if you think, well, it's impossible, that, that, that's why we need faith. If you think it doesn't make sense, that's why we need faith. And we all, if we believe in him, we have enough faith because we already have faith to believe he is God. And so none of us are with excuse. And then 1 Timothy 4 verse 9 and 10 goes on to say that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. God is the one in whom we have faith. God is the one in whom we put our hope. Further on in 1 Timothy 6, it says that we do fight the good fight of faith, which immediately shows us it's not just a walk in the park. It requires some effort. And then in verse 17 of the same chapter, Paul, writing to Timothy, encourages him or urges him, put your hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. And then I had a look at Hebrews chapter 11, because if you're going to look at faith, that is a a passage of scripture that speaks clearly about faith. And we can read that and we see that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And then it goes on to speak about not all, but some of the men and women of faith through Scripture, like Joseph and, uh, well, it starts with Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, uh, and on and on. And then even the writer to the Hebrew says, and I haven't got time to go through all of these ones. But then also he's calling us to be those who are men and women who live by faith. Why? Because the work of God is by faith. Hebrews 1.13 makes it clear that all of those were living by faith when they died. And they did not receive the fulfillment of the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from afar. In other words, when we understand that, it's not something that we generally like to look at, but what we see is that they trusted God God spoke to them, God instructed them, they had faith in God and did these incredible things in faith. Building arcs and crossing, uh, building arcs when there was no rain and crossing in uh, rivers that were in flood and, and the promises of God of things that were totally unexplainable. God spoke, they saw, they understood, they trusted, they did the things of God and yet they didn't see them completely fulfilled but it didn't stop them. It says that they only saw from a distance. So they had understood and they received some of the promises, but it didn't stop them and didn't reduce their faith. It actually spurred them on for even greater because they understood that in the the bigger picture, the bigger picture of what God has called us to, the bigger picture of what God had called them to, the work of God, which is by faith, goes beyond them and their little lives, just like you and I, it goes beyond our little lives for the generations to come. You see, so often we can hear the things from God. We have prophetic words from God. We read scripture and God speaks to us and we're all encouraged and strengthened. And yeah, this, we're going to take on the world and, and, and God's promised this and he said that and we're going to see this and do that. And, and then it doesn't happen quite like we think. Or it doesn't happen in our time or we may not even see it at all. 
And what is our normal response? We get despondent. We get disheartened. We start questioning. Where is me? We look for other things. We just want a quiet life. We don't want this. We don't want... It's like, God, why? Because God said this, and then we think, well... You see, these men and women that we read of in Hebrews, we read the account knowing the whole picture. We read about Noah knowing that a flood came. Noah didn't know when the flood was going to come. It wasn't raining when he built the ark. God said to him, do this. He trusted God and in faith did that. We know that God was faithful and the flood came. He had to live that. Trusting God, not knowing. But trusting God. And you look at every single one of them. Take Abraham. God spoke to Abraham and said, leave where you are and go to a land I will show you. And Abraham obeyed God and did it. God made a covenant with Abraham and said that you would have a son and through your son that you would become a, 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 a great nation. And he take, remember, if you read that in Genesis where he took him out and showed him the stars of the sky, and as numerous as the stars, so will your offspring be. And then through you, through your seed, one seed, speaking of Jesus that was to come, will all men be blessed. And Abraham trusted God and, and had faith in him and it was credited to him as righteousness, that's what scripture says. But then Abraham and Sarah had to live that out. So they left where they were. And you read the account of, uh, uh, and they didn't do things right all the time. Twice. You kind of think he'd get the, uh, twice he passed his wife off as a sister to save his own skin. And you think, and then there's all the stuff with Lot, and there's all the stuff with all these other things. And then they were really, really old. And then there was Hagar and Ishmael, him trying to make it happen. Why? Because... They started to doubt, but you know what? They had to walk through that saying, God, you promised. We trust in you. We have faith in you. And the seed that would be a blessing was Jesus, generations later. Why? Because he knew him who had called and him who had said he trusted him, had faith in him, his expectation, no matter what he saw or didn't see, no matter how much. And he received part of that inheritance through Isaac being born. But not the fullness, he just saw it from afar. Same with Moses. Didn't go into the promised land, but saw it from afar. And why I'm bringing this up is because we're to, I'm, I'm trusting that as we go through these two weeks of prayer and fasting, that it would, well, not, well you can fast if you want to fast, but um, focused prayer is that our expectation, our faith would increase because the things God has called us to, his work is a work of faith. And regardless of whether we see it or not, being outworked in our generation. Remember that God has called us not for only our generation, but the generations to come. And we have a part to play that is crucial in God's kingdom, but it is not the whole thing. And so if God has spoken prophetic words, if God has spoken things over you, over us, over this church, over this nation, we hold on, we contend for them, we fight for them, we do the work of God by faith, even if we don't see it come to fruition in our time it is still from him and he will accomplish that which he has called us to but let's not become despondent and become so inward focused and think well it's all about me god you gave me a word and you haven't done it it's like well because there's a whole process of god wanting to work in us and through us and it's not about us it's about him and his kingdom and we have the privilege of of doing that working that through with him does that make sense See, just like Abraham, God's instruction was to do that, and then he went. And, and when I was reading through the account of Abraham this week, so God gives Abraham and Sarah Isaac, and we know that. And so there's a fulfillment of that promise of God. And then God is very clear that through Isaac, his generation, the, the blessing would come. And the covenant is based on that child. Then God asks Abraham, <coughs> he tests Abraham, and he says to him that you to take your son and you to go to a mountain that I will show you, and you to sacrifice him as an offering to me. 
And so Abraham, knowing the promise, knowing that God is faithful, trusting God, not understanding how this is then going to work, obeys God and takes Isaac with him to the mountain that God shows. And even then, Isaac asks him, because he's old enough to cotton on what's going on, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? We've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response to him in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, was so Abraham uh, so, uh, said to him that God himself will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. So his response to his son, because Abraham knew what God had instructed, Isaac didn't. Not understanding how God was going to do it, he said, God himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. And we know the account that he bound Isaac, and at the point of him raising his knife to kill him, God stops him and provides the ram. And that foreshadowing of what he said speaks about the fact that God did provide the lamb. Not just that day, but he provided the lamb, his son, the sacrifice for all mankind. So there God had promised Abraham about the seed, speaking of Jesus. And when he speaks about that time where, where that, that account of the sacrifice, the, uh, I'm calling him to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham himself declares the truth, not actually knowing for, uh, exactly what he's saying, which is God will provide the lamb. Jesus, his seed, Jesus, for the sacrifice. And so we see that happen. And at that point, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, it says that, So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When we're looking at faith, we often want God to provide the solution before we get to the mountain. And God told Abraham to go to the mountain, I will tell you, and they to sacrifice your son. So he went, God showed him which mountain. He went up the mountain with his son, left his servants, went up the mountain, built the altar, was willing to sacrifice his, his, his son, his only son. And God provided. The truth for us is this. God gave him, an, gave him an instruction. When he stepped into that and started on his journey up the mountain, in other words, obeying the instruction. When he built the altar, obeying the instruction. That very moment that he needed the miracle of God's provision, God provided. It was a test of his faith in God. But folks, to us, we so often start the journey of obedience, but then God, what, when God doesn't provide an our timing, kind of halfway up the mountain, God, I need the sacrifice. I need your provision. God says, I don't need to give it to you now. God's provision of the answer is in his time, which is perfect, not our time, which is faithless. On the mountain of the Lord, not at the foot, foot of the mountain, on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. So when God speaks to us about things that he's calling us to have faith for, we need to step in an obedience because that shows our faith. It's the evidence of our faith. And then God provides. And even if the provision or the outworking of that is not in our lifetime, we still need to walk in that obedience, believing and trusting God will provide. But too often... We want the answer and we want the solution and we want God to provide before we've even obeyed, which is not faith at all. If you have everything before you step out in obedience, that's not faith. If God gives you everything before you start the journey, as it were, there's no faith. 
But the work of God requires faith because it is by faith. And you see that throughout Scripture, through all those different people. So I want to look this morning for us because we are called to live by faith just like as any of those men and women were. Because the work of God is by faith. Uh, and I want to look at some of the things that God has spoken to us about. God's spoken so many things over us as individuals, over you, over me, over this church, that are for us. And He's spoken those things over us, sometimes through people who are no longer alive, sometimes through people who are no longer here, sometimes through people who are still here, and sometimes through people who will never be here. Because it's not the people, it's God that speaks. And there's so much for us to do, and there's so much for us to carry on doing, and that, that is going to require faith. There's so much that is beyond our capabilities that we can't do because it's by faith. And I believe there's so much that's going to happen way beyond our time here or your time here. Because God's the one who builds and God's the one who asks. And that's why as we're praying over the next two weeks, it's crying out to God and asking God for certain things, but it's also asking Him to show us, to reignite our faith, to reignite our expectation for the things of His kingdom. And remember last week when I, we spoke, I spoke about those rocks as memorials to God's faithfulness and memorials to God's grace. I want to spend a little bit of time as we end off this morning going through some of the things that God has done in this church community that I'm aware that a lot of you are, have no idea about. And some that have been here a while might have forgotten them. But the point is this, is hopefully to stir our faith of God's faithfulness in the past and God's plans and purposes that are still to be fulfilled, that there's faith for what comes ahead. And so I know that through it all, we might seem small as a, as a church community. But God says, don't despise small beginnings. And there's been heartache. I know some of you have lived through it. We've lived through all of it. And some that you know nothing of. But God is faithful. And God's plans and God's purposes are way beyond us and require faith. So that's why I wanted to remind you that actually the faith comes in us obeying Him and He will provide and He will make a way when there's time, when the right time is right. And God builds the church. He adds and He takes, moves people around in His timing, not ours. But we just need to obey what He's called us to. But He is still God. He is still at work. And he's still got things that he has for us to do. And so it's a little bit of a history of the church. But I'm not going to go through all the details. I'm just going to highlight some points. Uh, this week, um, we, as, uh, we were given uh, some new tables for the children's hall from um, the school that Avril works at. They were getting rid of them. And uh, uh, so I w Ella and I went to fetch them. And the Three Bridges... I don't know, is it called primary or first or middle or it used to be called Three Bridges First School is right next door to Three Bridges Community Centre which is a tiny little hall it's smaller than the tea and coffee lounge and that in 1996 was where we started actually the week before there was a group that met in someone's living room in North Road on the corner of North Road and North Road that funny little thing there, that the, the couple who owned it are now really, really old and moved out. But that's where this church started. And it was a group of people who God had called to be here, to move here, to start a church for the sake of his kingdom. Not knowing people, we came, we didn't know anybody. We actually only met the couple who planted the church for an hour and a half before we arrived. So it's like we, we just knew this is where God had called us. And he called us to help them. So that was way back in 1996. I think Rob's the, the, probably the oldest member of the church other than us. 
um, way back at Three Bridges Community Center and North Road and, and God moved. And then we moved in 97 and 98, we moved to Three Bridges Middle School, so just over the road. Uh, we came into eldership there and everything else. And then from 98, 90, that's 97, 98, 98, 99, we moved next door to St. Francis School. And we weren't very much, probably about the same size as this. Then I know some of you joined us then. And so we had moved around. And in 1999, 98, 99, uh, that, th- there was a moment I think if you've lived in Corley for long enough, you will remember some of the buildings. But if you haven't and you're fairly new, do you know where on the high street Turtle Bay is? Is a Jamaican-style restaurant. That was an old movie theater. If you're standing at the traffic lights and you look at that, then there's this massive building that used, that is, that used to be Morrison's. Do you know that big glass building? Before Morrison's, it used to be a tower block and a bingo hall, and before that it was the Starlight Ballroom from way back then. That building was a bingo hall, and it had been empty for three years, 18 months, 18 months. It had been empty. And it was a huge place inside. I think it's 1,500 seated downstairs, upstairs about 200 plus other things. And as a church community, pretty much the size of this, we felt God say, that's where we to be. And at the same time, I stopped my career as a graphic designer and came to work full time for the church. That same month, we weren't leading then, but we were part of the eldership team. We had gone, myself and the guys leading before, went to the 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 agents to look at that venue think this is impossible but we felt God say that's where we needed to be and we was like this is madness a group that could fit into the school hall next door quite easily going for that and they were asking 90,000 pounds a year for the rent we couldn't even afford as a church our salary which was a step of faith that month and we sat in a leaders' meeting, and they weren't budging on the 90,000. I think we offered them 12, and they said no. So we sat as an eldership team and had a discussion and prayed about what is the bigness of our faith and how much do we trust God. And in that team meeting, I remember Lisa saying to all of us that were there, if God has said it, he will provide it. And considering that she was married to me and I was about to quit my job for that. So we offered them 30000 which we didn't have, but they accepted. And God made a way. And God always made a way. And so we moved in. It was a huge mess and clear up. And, and the church grew and we had... People coming in, we had, an, uh, we had a lunch, and by the end of it, there was all sorts of stuff that was going on. We had to have bouncers on the door because it's a high street whenever we had youth because we'd have people come from the pubs to try and get into the building. And it, but God moved. And the point is this, that there was an impossible ask that we certainly felt God say, that's where we needed to be. And no matter what the cost, because in that meeting was if God says God will provide, if they don't accept 30 and they only go to 90, and then we have to trust if God wants us there, God will provide that. Thankfully, it wasn't the 90, because I don't know how I would have coped with that. But God always provided. We all, and God moved. Then a few years later, we had to vacate because we were renting it and they were knocking it down and so, all sorts of things. So we moved to St. Wilfred's School um, up on the hill, uh, and that was around 2003. And then we had offices in Northgate Place. So if you know where Northgate Road is, or what's it called, Woodfield Road, there's a BP garage and a Northgate Parade of Shops. And behind the garage, there's a car dealer. And behind the car dealer, there's a garage. And next to the garage is where the church offices were among all the drug needles and everything else. That's where we had our offices, and we met at St. Wilfrid's, and then we took on leading the church. And, and in all of that, when we took on leading, I felt God say, we need to 
take, there was a break clause in the lease, take a gap and say, find somewhere else for our offices because even the postman would leave our post at the end of the road at the garage rather than walking down to where the office was. So how do you have youth and children's things there? So then we prayed and said, God, show us where. And it was another faith thing. Because at the same time, we were looking at buying a house, our first house, and, and we just felt God say, whatever you've put aside for the house, put aside for what I'm telling you to do for the kingdom. So we did, trusting him. And God provided for us, but also for the church. And that we sent guys out looking for different things. And if you know where the metal bridge is that crosses over the railway line, just down here in East Park, there's a little square building that is apartments that was offices and it was a new build and God provided and that's where we used to be as a, as a church office with our, with our meeting in the school. And in all that time, God provided. God provided finances. God provided people. People got saved. We reached into communities in, in, to see God move and people... God just added and God did. And, the, and all of that happened. Because he had a plan. It wasn't, we weren't living in what we felt God called to, but we were saying, God, what is the next stage? What is the next stage? And in that process, we had an email, I got an email from the church that used to meet here. Because they had gone through some times where over three years they didn't have a single visitor come to the church. And they were asking questions as to, do we close? Do we have someone else join us? What? And they asked all the church, they sent an email to all the churches in the town. And I'd never really spoken to them because we were very different from, from how they did church. And, but I felt God to say, contact them and just say, meet with them and pray with them. So I did, and it turned out that I was the only church leader who responded to them. So I don't quite know to this day if they did it because they were desperate or because, but they met with me. So we met with them and, we, and I prayed with them and, and I just kept in contact with them saying, look, if anything we can do, we can help. Uh, we helped with their youth, which was really not youth of the church. It was the grandchildren of the people in the church and the old people were leading the youth. I think the youth leader was 82. Um, so they needed some help. But uh, long and the short of all of that, they were a, an incredible group of people who for years have sown into this community and into the town faithfully. I've spoken about that before, where they faithfully preached the gospel, faithfully uh, shared their faith with people around and loved people and believed for, for God. And, and then they eventually felt that they, they needed to close as a church. That's what was God was saying. And then, so they then made the offer to all, they gave the building to a a trust, a Christian trust, uh, who owns properties around the nation that churches can meet in so that they don't get turned into mosques and pubs and all sorts of other things. There's always a place for Christians to meet. I think I've spoken about that in the past. And then they put that out to all the churches in town saying, anybody who's looking for a building, come and meet with us. And then we will pray, and they asked all the churches in the town to pray. This is the charity. And so we were one of those people who came, a number of other churches did too. And then the whole, all the churches around the town that were responding, uh, and those that they told, prayed as to who and what. And so they offered it to us, which is a miracle. Which is an absolute miracle. Because our bills of everything else were astronomical. But we said, God, what are you saying? And at the same time, so, so we don't own this building, but they, there's a charity that owns the actual land, a Christian charity, and we've got a really good relationship with them. They pray for us as a church. That their trustees come and meet with me. They know us. They, and so it's incredible to do that. And that's God's favor. And then at that same time, a number of things happened, and you just think our faith was tested because stuff happened in the life of the church where almost half the church left. Some are not in church anymore. Uh, I don't want to go into the details of that. I don't need to. But at, and, and as a leader, you start questioning, God, oh, what are we doing? Have I done something wrong? And at, at that same time, this building was given to us. At the same time, doors of ministry opened across Europe for us. And God provided And in the same month that we moved in here and were told that we had this venue, the old bingo hall was knocked down. 
the same week. I just felt God say, that's an end of one, and you're walking into the inheritance of something else. And actually, there's an incredible, if you just step back and think, that's, that's God. And God has always provided, always provided a way. And so I wonder, and, and this place was very different. And so I know some of you were here, but I've just put a few pictures up, and I know we're a little bit over time, but is it okay to carry on a little bit longer? Just so you know something. And I, Jess, if you can put some up, that's what it looked like. So, so the outside doesn't look too different. If you go to the next one, except if you go back, you will notice all the windows were single-pane metal frame. So next one. That's the entrance hall at the top. So on the right-hand side, that's where the disabled toilet now is. But that's what it used to be. On the left, that goes up to the upstairs, which we used to use as a youth room. And the bottom is exactly what it looked like then, with all sorts of everything. So they gave the charity the building, and they gave us everything in the building, which was five skip loads of rubbish as well as everything else. The next one, that's the back. So uh, the one on the right... Those cupboards, that's where the sound guys are at the moment. And the left, that's where we have tea and coffee. And the mum's room's that little room there. If you go to the next one, that's the mum's room on the left. And the electric room is probably tidier then than it is now. But <laughs> that's there. The next one, that's the main hall. So just so you get a picture, you see the big wall that says, Jesus Christ is Lord. That was here. And then the stage came out to about here with a baptism pool in the middle with a semi-grand piano and a lectern and an organ behind and, and that's what this room looked like and you'll see if you go to the next one that's looking the other way from the stage you see where their clock is above the double door and above the clock you'll see there was a door so you know where our window is there was a door I don't quite know why, but there was a door that you could fall out of. Um, but that's what it looked like. Then the next one, that there is through that door, the tea and coffee lounge. It was all outside. And the passageway over there was the door from there. If you go to the next one, that's the passage, that used to be that door. You can see the kitchen door still the same sliding door, and that far door went through to the children's hall. Well, what is the children's hall now? But there was, if you just go back, so if there was, there was just a passageway. And where we have the cupboard at the other side, there was a door. And where we have the doors with the children's hall, that was a window. But the rest was all outside. Next one, that was the kitchen. Served them well. Thankfully, we could change it. Next one, and that was the children's hall. Concrete floor, basketball court, and that's what it is. Next one, and then the work began. If you're interested, the top left-hand picture is what the, sea, what the roof looks like. It's herringbone solid wood. But, and then the clear-up started. You can see a good picture of the door above the door. But the incredible thing is that we weren't very big. But there was a lot of work to do. And through the church, we, this church, the, we, are, we put in place a mechanism with the banking that it is impossible for this church to go in debt. We don't have overdraft facilities. We don't have anything like that because I don't believe that's right. And so if anything happens, it's like we, we've, we trust God, but he's our provider. But there was a lot of work that had to be done. And through the church community, God, we raised, or God provided, 40,000 pounds. Not a wealthy church, but a faithful people. God, you've given us this gift. We have to be wise with it. Which meant all the windows got changed. We, we, the church community, we were on the dodgy scaffolding, painting the ceilings, painting the walls, fixing what we could, because God provided the venue, God provided the finance, we did that. We had builders knock the walls down. We helped a little, it was good fun. But 
God provided every single time. And because we had poured that amount in, the landlord said that they really loved what we'd done and really appreciated that, and so they would match it. What did we need to be done? God's favor. So the landlord built the tea and coffee lounge for us and the disabled loo. Why? Because we were faithful and we prayerfully said, God, what is the next thing we need? What is the priority? What do we need to do? What do? And so we trusted God and we did that. And then God blessed and did that. But that was just a bare concrete floor that we painted black because the dust was too much, so we needed something to keep it down, and black was easy to keep clean. And I think we had an outreach the, one, the same time that we did uh, an outreach at Guy Fawkes with fiery food and fireworks and everything else. So we painted the floor black because we're going to have a lot of people in, and we just threw glitter all over it, so it kind of tied in with the craziness. But So that, that was concrete. And we still had weddings and stuff that used that and everything else. And then this floor in here started to get problems where we had, still had wood underneath the, the carpet tiles. And, and there was something, because this is a floating slab, that there was water through the, the membrane, which was actually just bitumen. It wasn't a proper membrane. And I would come in in the morning on a Tuesday, and I'd walk in, and I'd see half the rows of chairs at the back kind of this high off the ground because the interlocking parquet floor had swollen and lifted and kind of the first attempt I went and I jumped on it and then the sound desk popped up so I thought I better not do that again (laughs) but it's like God we can't afford to fix this so we would do all sorts of things I don't know how many saws Brian went through trying to cut the wood to give space to fill in and 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 so I just prayed said God we need a solution and we can't afford a solution and someone who, the only two of us know who it is who's no longer in the, in the life of the church uh, and someone, no one who would ever expect came and said I've just been given finance I want to fix the floor a few thousand pounds we hauled all the wood out and everything else and some of those who remember moving that and then there was self-leveling and all sorts of stuff so that now, now it doesn't pop up but God provided because it was his kingdom and it's not us and at that time we used to have fold up chairs those plastic fold up chairs you know with the metal legs and the fold up chairs and we still had a concrete floor and we, I was involved in the Southgate community forum and we'd have people in and I think Emma you sat in one of the chairs when you were pregnant and it collapsed under you and it was like God we, we need new chairs I can't afford chairs then we had and we used to host these council meetings and some of the councillors at the time were fairly large. And I remember that every time we had a tea break, I'd swap his chair around just in case, because I didn't want a chair to break. But God, you need to provide. And then we hosted an, an equip, which is a partnering time with a whole lot of church leaders. And a church leader from way up north was sitting in the meeting, and the chair collapsed under him. And as the chair collapsed, he felt God say, you need to give finance to this church to buy new chairs. He didn't tell me. And he didn't do it. A year later, he was back at a meeting, and the exact same thing happened. His chair collapsed, the only person in the room. And God said to him, I told you to do this. Which was incredible. And at the same time, we're saying, God, we need new chairs because this is dangerous. But we can't afford them. God, we've got a concrete floor that we really need to deal with, but we can't afford it. God, we trust you. And in the same month, that church sent a check to pay for chairs. And someone else came and said, what floor do you want in the tea and coffee lounge? It's like, I'm thinking, well, I don't want carpet. And I was thinking, I'd been thinking, well, how can we do this in a budget? You can do plywood and I can paint it and we can do all sorts of effects. And I said, a wood floor would be okay. He said, okay, well, I, I, I want to buy the floor and I want to put the floor in. In the same month, those two things happened. That these chairs were delivered. So I chose the chairs and I said, God, we need this amount. They need to be strong, be helpful if they're comfortable. And, and then, uh, uh, but... 
the cost of these chairs in total was 200 pounds more than we were given. So it was like, okay, God, we're trusting you. We'll do this. The guys came to deliver the chairs and said, what are you doing with your old chairs? I said, I haven't worked that out yet. I'm going to have to store them somewhere. He said, well, if you don't mind, can I take a photo and send it to my boss? So I said, sure, no problem. So he said, so he did. And then he said, well, we part exchange chairs. (laughs) Who parts exchange chairs? But anyway, they do. So they part part exchanged all our chairs for 200 pounds, which was the exact shortfall. And those get sent to Africa, to schools in Africa, which is incredible. And then the floor was laid next door. Now you need to understand the chairs are provision from God. The floor is an incredible provision from God because that's 100 square meters. The floor is not laminate. It's solid oak. Not what I would have... It's too expensive for what I would have chosen. But God not only provides, but gives the best. And in actual fact, the, the cost of the floor and the laying down of the floor, which is another huge cost, is nearly 10 grand. That God just provided. So why do I... Why, part of me saying all this, so you know a little bit of the journey, and I know I'm going very long, but is this. God has not stopped yet. And if God can provide practically, when we just say, God, we haven't got an answer, but we need, how much more in the things of the Spirit with people being saved and lives being changed and nations being affected? I I wrote a list down roughly of the places we've sent people to. Mongolia, India, Ukraine, Russia, Italy, Netherlands, France, Portugal, South Africa, Sudan, Australia, America, Kyrgyzstan. Those are the ones I can remember. From this church, we've planted a church in Brighton, Reading, Hawley, Horsham, Kyrgyzstan. The only ones that are still going are Brighton and Kyrgyzstan. But we've sent people out. And just from us. And God's spoken that we would be a church that impacts the nations. That our footprint would be far bigger than our shoe size. That we would be a prototype, that we would break ground, we'd see there would be multicultural, multi-generational, uh, all those things, that there would be an impact. And there's so many different things. And over the next few weeks, as we pray, we're probably going to bring some of those words through that God's spoken over the years. Why I'm saying this is because God provides when we respond in faith, because the work of God is by faith. And where he's done that in the past with just things simply like this building that we're sitting in, he does it for everything. And so as we're praying, let's pray with, uh, with expectation. Let the Holy Spirit stir your heart to believe for greater things that are in your life. That there might be, don't worry about them, they just need to go, I know that. Don't, there might be things God's spoken to you or expectations that you, things that you're holding out for. Don't give up. Because God responds, God provides, even if it's beyond our generation or our time, God moves. So let these two weeks, as we start, stir your faith for the things that you're believing for individually, but also for us corporately as a church. That we would step into those things because actually remembering His faithfulness so that we would rise again and continue in faith that we would rise again and step up into what God's called us to. Not sitting back and thinking, well, maybe, what if. Don't be despondent. Don't despise small things because our God is greater and he is not finished. And there's so much more that he is going to do. And, and if you, memorials of faithfulness, you, you, you're sitting in one as a seat. You're sitting in one as a building You're walking on it when you go there. God has been faithful. God remains faithful. And he is not finished yet. Not with you, no matter how old you may may be or how young you may be. God is not finished. God is not finished with us. There's still more that is beyond this generation to the generations to come. Let it stir your faith. 
so that we would contend for the things of God. Don't give up. Even if we only see it from a distance, we don't give up. He's still faithful. Even when we can't see the way, even a greater moment for faith and God's provision. When things look like, well, I don't know how that's going to happen. God knows. If God tells you to sacrifice your Isaac, do it because he'll provide. God's called us to incredible things. Way back from 96 to now. And I know it's not an anniversary of anything in the life of the church, and we're not good at celebrating those things. And I had a phone call this, or a message from my brothers, one of my brothers this week, and then also from the chap that he took over the church from where they live in Africa. It's 50 years since that church started, and incredible things are oh, they celebrating this coming week of God's faithfulness. God's not finished. Will you rise? And allow him to stir your faith for the things of the kingdom again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming together. Thank you for the incredible memorials of your faithfulness. Not just little ones that I've touched on today. But Lord, I pray that those would sit in our minds and our hearts. That would spur us on not just for our own lives to believe for, for so much more. But corporately as a church. Because you've called us to impact the nations, to make a difference, to fulfill what your plan and your purposes are beyond our generations. God, your work is by faith. God, our response is one of faith. Lord, where you lead, we will go. What you ask us for, we will do. Lord, that we would be those who are faithful in our response to you. And I thank you, God, that you are unchanging. And that as we read through scripture, like Hebrews of all those men and women and other scriptures, Lord, our faith is stirred for the impossible things that lie ahead, that are things of your kingdom because your work is by faith. And you are faithful. And you are God, the one who provides. Stir us, Lord, we pray. As we start this week, I pray for a reigniting of our faith and our expectation and our passion and vision that you would deposit things that would bear fruit that would last, that you would get the glory, the honor, and the praise, that your name would be lifted up, and that many around the globe would be impacted through us as we labor with you. What a privilege, Lord. Amen.